What connects a suicide in the Seine River? The development of cardiopulmonary resuscitation? And the king of pop, Michael Jackson? You're listening to Allegedly. Presumamente, así fue. The Seine River, one of the most famous rivers in the world. It runs through 777 kilometers along the north of France and flows through the city of Paris. It has borne witness and been an active participant in the city's long history, since the Celtic tribe of fishermen known as the Purvisi chose to settle on the Ile de la Cité in the 3rd century BC. The Seine has seen centuries of the city's life, but has also seen a great deal of death. It's a prime site for the dispersing of remains, the ashes of Joan of Arc, for example, and the bodies of victims of murders or accidents. It's been a favorite location for suicides, particularly during periods of hardship and strife such as the French Revolution, and the place to execute criminals, priests, rebels, and protesters via drowning. Between 1790 and 1801, 410 bodies were fished out of its murky waters, So many were the dead that were removed from the Seine that in 1804 a morgue was opened on the same Ile de la Cite, just behind the Church of Notre Dame. In those days, it was customary to exhibit the unidentified bodies to the public in the hopes that someone might be able to acclaim them. The bodies could be delivered to the morgue at any time, day or night, and were then displayed between dawn and dusk for three days. Their belongings, if there were any, would also be on display. These strange, macabre spectacles turned out to be extremely popular. Even entire families, children included, came to sate their morbid curiosities. The more bizarre or gruesome the death, the more people flocked to see for themselves. In this way, the morgue became an important tourist site, often having more visitors than the Louvre Museum or the Eiffel Tower itself. In the late 1880s, the body of a teenage girl was found in the river. There were no visible signs of violence on her body, though suicide was suspected, and there was no identification on her. And so her body was displayed in the morgue, and despite the number of people who no doubt gazed upon her still body, no one ever claimed to know who she was. What was most striking about the young woman was her face. Beautiful, serene, almost perfect, so much so that it is said that one of the pathologists of the morgue decided to make a wax plaster cast, also known as a death mask, of the victim. Now, the practice of creating death masks was not uncommon. There are many examples of death masks of famous people. Julius Caesar, Dante, Jean-Paul Marat, Beethoven, John Keats, Napoleon, even William Blake. But death masks were practiced usually reserved for the famous and the elite What's so strange about this particular instance is that it was the face of a completely unknown girl. The knowledge of her name and who she was is forever lost to us. Even so, the mysterious girl from the Seine managed to leave an impressionable mark. The combination of the enigma, the morbid, and beauty that inevitably stirs the imagination would inspire a very peculiar phenomenon. Over the course of many years, multiple copies of the girl's death mask were made. 
to the point where it became a fashionable object. It could be found in homes, theaters, and art workshops. The French author and philosopher Albert Camus came to compare the placid expression on the young woman with that of the famous Mona Lisa. The English writer Al Alvarez wrote in his book on suicide titled The Savage God, I have been told that a whole generation of German girls modeled their appearance on it. He also reported that the Incanu became the erotic ideal of the time, as was Bardot in the 1950s. Alvarez believed that German actresses like Elizabeth Bergner were inspired by the mysterious woman of the Seine, who seemed to finally be displaced as the paradigm by the actress Greta Garbo in the 1920s. In 1926, the mask was included in the catalogue of mortuary masks and was named Le Inconus de la Seine, the unknown woman of the Seine. Asmund Lerdal was a Norwegian businessman who created a small printing company around 1940 and began printing calendars in children's books. At the same time, he was experimenting with plastic and creating small plastic and wooden toys, including dolls. The latter included the Andal, which would receive the Doll of the Year Award in Norway. In 1956, Dr. Peter Saffa, an Austrian anesthesiologist, and Dr. James Elam redefined the practice of resuscitation, including the maneuver of tilting the head, elevation of the chin, and mouth-to-mouth ventilation. They combined components A, airway, and B, breathing, with C, chest compressions, to give rise to the standard of resuscitation known as CPR, a technique that could then be taught to and performed by the general public. In 1956, Peter Safar met with Asmund Lerdal. Together they came up with the idea of creating a life-size doll that could be a learning tool to train others in resuscitation techniques. For Lerdal, these medical issues were of personal importance to him. His eldest daughter had died because of a nosocomial infection, and he had saved his two-year-old son Tor from drowning by taking him out of the water, holding him, and shaking him face down to get the water out of his lungs. Lairdal believed the training of CPR needed to have elements of realism, and he understood that performing chest compressions and mouth-to-mouth resuscitation was outside the comfort zone of ordinary people. Hence why the use of a mannequin was so important. It would aid in teaching the necessary techniques, while also appealing to human emotion. Because of this, he felt that the mannequin's face should be that of a woman, since he assumed that this would make the reaction to the practice of mouth-to-mouth resuscitation more acceptable. But what face to use? Lerdal recalled the mortuary mask of the unknown woman of the Seine that his parents had in, of all places, the living room of their house, and decided to use it as the face of his mannequin, who was baptized as Resusi Anne, and would eventually become the first and the most used mannequin for the practice of CPR maneuvers, and, understandably, the most kissed lips in the world. In 1987, Michael Jackson released his seventh album, Bad, five years after his previous album, Thriller. The seventh single on the album is the song Smooth Criminal. Perhaps you heard of it. 
It's the single that would put Jackson back in the U.S.'s Billboard's top 10 and has been retrospectively considered one of his best songs. The lyrics describe a person who arrives at an apartment and finds the bloodstained carpet and unconscious body of a woman who has been attacked by a smooth criminal. The chorus, Annie, Are You Okay?, is repeated several times. For those who have had CPR training, the phrase is well known because it must be repeated several times before starting the maneuvers when there is no response from the mannequin, Annie. You've been listening to, allegedly, Presumamente, Así Fue. This podcast was produced by Carlos Torres Viera and Ariadna Torres Cortez. If you've enjoyed our show, consider subscribing to us or leaving us a review. Thank you for listening. Until next time. Thank you.